0: We might get a shootout, and whoever has the ball last with the Southeastern Louisiana and Stanford game, may be able to get the win because both defenses are struggling a little bit, but offensively they're very similar. But if I had to put money down, I'd put money. Down. Welcome to the official podcast of FCS Fan Nation with your hosts Kyler Neal, Matthew Frazee, and Jamie Williams.
1: FCS Fans Nation, we hope you had a great Thanksgiving with family and friends. We are thankful that the FCS playoffs were so entertaining to start with some amazing first round matchups. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Your main crew is coming through your airways tonight. Jamie Williams, Kyler Neal, Matthew Frazee, ready to react to a fun round one and looking forward to possibly some upsets coming up here in round two we will see we're into the sweet 16 ladies and gentlemen and mr neil i just gotta ask you you as excited as ncaa basketball when it gets to this point or how
0: we feeling as the bracket is moving on um it's a weird season so i don't i don't know i'm not as excited this season as normal ncaa basketball but it is fun watching other teams, you know, fail, win, getting shootouts. I'm just here for a good time.
1: Kyler's just here for a good time. He has his Eastern Washington gear wrapped in the background. If you're watching on YouTube, we also have the beautiful red, white, and black colors of Gardner Webb as our YouTube background, as our banners uh, this evening. If you guys are watching us on the YouTube channel, uh, main reason we're doing that is because Gardner Webb, in fact, is the only team in round one. Stat from Mr. Craig Haley. That won on the road this weekend, so kudos to the running Bulldogs. They were able to run on the road and get a victory, which was pretty exciting. Uh, Mister Williams, before we kick into the Big Seven, because we've got some great slate of questions. How are you feeling today? Are you feeling sunny? Are you feeling coastal? How are How's a Duke's fan feeling today?
2: You know, I'm feeling pretty darn good. Um, we'll just drop right into the Frisco bucket. I'm not even going to pretend like I'm not going to talk about it. Eight and three in our first FBS season. Coastal came in yesterday. Yes, they didn't have Grayson McCall, but they had everybody else. And their 23 ranking in the AP poll, and we just beat them by 40. Yeah, 4-0. Best team in the East of the Sun Belt, but we don't get to play in the conference championship game because rules. So asterisk to whoever wins it. (laughs)
1: The beasts of the East. Well, well done by your Dukes. We miss you at the FCS level, but tons of success heading your guys' way, and it's always fun to see how FCS teams are competing at that next level. All right, boys, it's time to get into things. Uh, I'm excited for it. The fans have dropped some amazing questions. It's a great slate, so let's kick things right off. Let's go into the first playoff, Big 7. The top seven FCS topics of the week. This is the Big 7. Our fans are antsy about round two, Jamie and Kyler, because we start off with two questions here, kind of reacting to last week's, and then we kick right into, hey, what's going to happen in round two? What are the impacts? So we're going to start with this question here from Mr. Joe Gas. Um, awesome Delaware fan. Congratulations to his fighting blue hens. Uh, and let's kick off this one, Jamie. Joe asked, do you think of a school won on Saturday? It justifies their selection by the committee. So this one's interesting because I think a lot of people were thrown off by the committee's selections this year, at least within the seating realm. Uh, people felt pretty straightforward in terms of the at-larges. But do you feel like the win is really the justification for the committee or are we looking at other factors with
2: this? No, I, I think, you know, it's a hindsight 2020. But if you look at the, the last two teams, presumably in the field, Delaware and Montana won their games. Yes, they both had home games, but they both won. You know, Weaver looked like a team that was pissed off that they didn't get a seed, and then they looked like a team that didn't deserve a seed. Uh, They hung on to win. Uh, So I think that's just the way it goes. I think the committee, you know, they did overall, they got probably 22 or 23 of the right 24 teams. You know, you can always argue over their last couple. They got the eight teams seated correctly. We know we all didn't completely agree with the slotting of each of those seeds, but, you know, they did the best they thought they could do. And I don't think it was awful. Like I said, there's things I would change, but just because I thought Montana shouldn't have been in and Chattanooga should have been just because Montana won doesn't mean that I still don't think Chattanooga should have been in over them because I do. And, you know, Chattanooga and Southeast Missouri probably still would have been a matchup regionally. And who knows how that would have shaken out. Um, but Montana got a, a, a solid comeback and and they were able to win that game and, you know, good for them. But, you know, yeah, I don't I don't think you can go hindsight 2020 and say, oh, see, we told you you were wrong because they can look at the other all the other ones it's like, well, yeah, well, look where how we were right. And if we get one through eight that win this week, guess what people are going to say. Oh, yeah, they were right. So, you know, I have no major issue other than I thought, you know, Montana should have been in and Chattanooga should have. And just because Montana won doesn't change that thought process.
1: Yeah, I think the at-larges are really where the committee actually, I think they butchered the seating in my, and we, I'm not going to go back down that line. We talked about on the, the mock playoff special in the selection show the last week. I think their seating is way off from where the resumes were like thinking at the at-larges. Really, when you look at the scores, and we got them pulled up here on YouTube, like Montana getting a 10-point win, Idaho and Southeastern Louisiana was a close three-point game. You had two blowouts in the bottom right corner, but just remember, um, two of those are at largest. so you could question the Elon, but Davidson is an auto bid, right? So Davidson is going to get in because they won their conference, and they got destroyed by an at-large Richmond, who clearly shows they deserve to be in the field. Weber State, North Dakota, that's a great matchup. It wasn't the first half, but it ended up being, you know, a pretty close game at the end. Eastern Kentucky, Gardner Webb, you've got an auto bid there. And the auto bid won. And Eastern Kentucky. Well, I he, mean, they, they were an auto bid too. They, or, yeah, Eastern Kentucky's auto bid as well. Thank you, Kyler. I mean, you got that matchup. Even 52 41 is pretty great. Uh New Hampshire and Fordham. Everyone questioned the they were pounding the table for Fordham, but they thought if you were going to have a last in, last out, it might be them. And New Hampshire Fordham was a ten point game, and Delaware blows out Saint Francis. Saint Francis is an auto bid, and Delaware gets selected. So overall, I kind of think that this first round justified the at larges really, really well. I think the committee made some pretty good justifications, and I, ultimately, Kyler Wright wasn't there. Only one or two that people really kind of questioned, or yeah, I think was, this. I think it was done well.
0: It was like Fordham, Montana, Delaware. Um, and then some people even said Idaho were kind of the ones where you're like, eh, no, do they deserve to get in or not? Now, for this question, I'm going to say no. Just because you win doesn't justify it. I think it. if you were a team and you beat an at-large, you're an at-large and you beat another at-large, or a team that was no matter what going to get an at-large, like SEMO, for instance. At 9-2, and two, even if we had the coin flip, all of us were 100% saying SEMO would have been in no matter what right? And it would have taken away another at-large from another team. Montana beats that team that was going to be an at-large no matter what. They're justified. Now, if you were playing a St. Francis, a Davidson, I mean, some of these other teams were, look at the historic data. They are getting blown out in the playoffs every single year, pretty much on average. Oh, an yeah. NEC, a pa- Pioneer, a Patriot League doesn't really do much in the place in the playoffs. So it just depends. I mean, if you're blowing out one of the easiest conference champs, I don't think it proves you still deserve a, an at large, right? I mean, I'm not saying Delaware doesn't deserve one. That's not what I'm saying here. But I'm saying depending on the matchup, it doesn't prove anything. Um, it doesn't justify anything. But again, if you do beat another at large who is gonna get an at large no matter what, that does probably justify you being in the field. Um, because again, SEMO was always gonna be in the field at nine and two, no matter what anyone says, even if um who was UT Martin won the coin flip. Yep. Um, So I mean that that's kind of where I have like a difference of an opinion, if that makes sense. It really just depends on your matchup. If you're playing one of the easy champions, literally there's 50 teams that could probably beat them, 35 that could probably blow them out. So eh.
1: yeah, yeah. I mean that that's all factual. I I feel like when I looked at the first round, and we're gonna dive into round two here pretty quickly. When I looked at the first round, I thought the matchups played out pretty well, and I wasn't. It wasn't just like blowout city. So, uh, you had two games that kind of went off the edge a little bit. Uh, some games that got closer near the end or blowouts in the first half, but overall I thought the first round of games did pretty well. So I think the committee did a good job from that standpoint.
0: And I picked 23 of the 2014. So I'm not disagreeing with anything that the committee had. I put Chattanooga in over Delaware myself just because of Delaware's last, you know, six weeks. It, It was pretty bad. But at the end of the day, when it came out with Delaware, I was like, all right, they do have an FBS win. They do have a ranked win it makes sense why they were above Chattanooga in kind of the final decision. So, I mean, it's nothing to throw your hat at there or whatever. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think Montana proved they deserve to be in no matter what anyone else says.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now they're heading to Fargo and uh, only (laughs) when Montana comes to town is, I mean, that's a big name, you know. So I'm rocking the Bison gear tonight. I haven't done it all season, I don't think so. You know, it's playoff time
2: against the Grizz. Why not pull it out? We all know that playoff Matt's different than regular season Matt. We love and forgive you for it anyway. Yep, just follow me at Matthew Frazee on Twitter if you
1: want to see the bias Bison Matt come out every now and then. It's coming. Yep, here it comes. All right, guys, we'll move into Jason. Um, I'm sorry, I got the name wrong here. Jason Plotkin asked this question, so I'll edit my caption here on the bottom. Jason Plotkin wants to know, do we think Idaho's Eck coached himself out of a win? against Southeastern Louisiana. And based on the result in Hammond America, any thoughts on what the Lions' biggest challenge will be in the round of 16? So this is kind of a two-part question, I'm super intrigued because Jamie and I are messaging about this a little bit in terms of that Samford and Southeastern Louisiana matchup coming up. We don't want to give any game predictions because we'll predict at the end of the podcast. But let's start with that actual matchup that happened down there in Hammond. Uh, Kyler, what, what was your takeaway from a crazy Big Sky uh, team that almost pulled up pulled off a uh, upset you could say
0: um that was a fun game like as just someone who's not a fan of either and I didn't really care who won um because I, I like some Idaho fans I like you know southeastern Louisiana and I root against the big sky so it is fun but what a fun game I mean yeah now I don't think you put any blame on Eck he's already a few years ahead of schedule from turning that dumpster fire into a playoff caliber team with none of his players yet, right? None of these are his players. um, And he's already bringing them in from a dumpster fire to a playoff team. And they were in the game. Uh, Here's the only thing you're probably, well, what I'm probably going to blame it on is Giovanni McCoy is a phenomenal quarterback. He's a freshman, right? He made a few freshman mistakes that ultimately cost them the game. Um, I mean, I do think that is the biggest issue right now. But again, he also kept Idaho in the game with some of his playmaking. But as a freshman, you are going to make some mistakes, especially you've never been in the playoffs. I mean, you killed it this year. Um, you're facing adversity. But two of those interceptions were were not smart decisions. Um, they weren't good throws. So, I mean, that's ultimately what I believe won the game for SLU. But yeah, it's, it's not an Eck thing. Eck thing did a fantastic job. He wasn't outcoached. Uh, just the other team made a few better plays, in my opinion, which give credit to where credit's due. SLU, I thought, was going to be down quite a bit after losing, you know, Cole Kelly. But they've been building this program for a few years. And it seems like every year they are actually getting better. They're getting, you know, better recruits. They're building a name brand for themselves. And Matt's looking at something naughty. But uh, <laughs> hey, I can't control the NCAA <laughs> K
1: jeweler ads or whatever's popping up here. Secrets Resorts. The scores. Secret Resorts. Yeah.
0: I'll keep that out of that out of there. So on YouTube, the copyright doesn't get us, but <laughs> no, this, this was such a fun game though. And if anyone missed it, go back on ESPN plus and watch this even like without commercials or do something. Cause this was such a fun game to watch. I mean, you thought for a little bit, Idaho had it in the bag. Then all of a sudden SLU came back and they were up by two and you're like, Oh, it's game over. Idaho doesn't even have a chance. And then they come back, they tie it. They they're, you know, getting a kick, which the kicker was iced after he made the field goal and then he comes and slips on the last kick. Yeah, it was a it was an insane game. It was a very fun playoff game, but it's just a few rookie mistakes.
1: Well, it was a fun game to watch. It was one of the most fun ones of the weekend. I really want to get into the next part of that question, though, with Southeastern Louisiana's next challenge, is they're going to Samford because it's an interesting style matchup. Um, so I'm intrigued to hear what Jamie has to say about that one. I just want to point out, if you're watching on YouTube, this is how I had the screen. Look at this. How creepy is that if you just left it like right there? <laughs> just eyeballs staring you down. We'll bounce out of that and look forward to the next matchup of Samford and Southeastern Louisiana. Jamie, tell me about this matchup for Mr. Plotkin, because this is the reason we're going to focus in on this one specifically is, is twofold. I think the matchup's intriguing. Jason asked the question. And I guess the third reason is um, this is the one where people are probably a little bit more unsure of what these teams are bringing
2: to the table. So what do you got here, man? Yeah, I mean, both of these teams definitely like to sling the rock. Um, But I will say about this year's Southeastern Louisiana team is a different and, in my opinion, better team than last year's team. And I know last year's team had Cole Kelly, but that was a very one-dimensional team. But this year they've got got a running game to go along with it. They've got Carlos Washington, who was a transfer, if I'm thinking correctly, he was at – New Hampshire uh, with Dylan Lobb and they were uh, two headed backfield. He transferred down. He was phenomenal last night and the quarterback can run the ball just like Cole Kelly could. But they play and it did, did show they play a little bit better defense and and I know they gave up 42, but they did play a little bit better defense than last year overall. So it's a, to me it's a a more well-rounded Southeastern Louisiana team than the one that came up to Harrisonburg last year. And, did nothing. So it's going to be interesting to see which, which secondary can stand up. And it was kind of the same thing as last night. is which secondary could stand up. And it was Southeastern's. I mean, that pick six was maybe the difference in the game because that put them up by two scores and Idaho did battle back and they, they got the defensive stop they needed. And, you know, they put themselves in position to win the football game until unfortunately the kicker slipped, by the way, Eck didn't make the kickers look and Eck didn't throw the pick six. So I think I you can tell I agree with Kyler on on that. And then from the Sanford side, will Michael Harris be ready? Um I hope so. Uh because if he's not ready, and I know the, the backup came in and, and got the win against Mercer, uh, but if Harris isn't there for the full game, I don't think Sanford can hang with Southeastern. So but we'll, like we said, we'll predict later, and I'm going to predict as though Harris is going to be there and ready to go with the extra week of prep. But This is going to be one of those intriguing matchups of what secondary can stand up, who can create a late turnover, who can create you know, more of a run game, because Sanford does have a good running back, and Jay Stanton, don't forget about him, a uh, very good running back. So this is a very intriguing matchup in this week's uh, group of games, and I'm kind of glad this is the one that was set up regionally. It makes the most sense as well, um, based off of you know where the teams are located. So, um, yeah, we're gonna have a little treat there. So I think th- if you only pick two games to watch, this one should be one of the two. Um, you know, you could—I know everybody can't watch all sit and watch all eight games, but you know, if you want to pick, you know, a couple, make sure this is one of them.
1: Yeah, Bulldogs and Lions is gonna be intriguing. We'll do a little statistics here for you. A few stats. When you look at the total offense, um, Samford is 20th in the nation in the FCS. And Southeastern Louisiana, 21st. So they are literally right next to each other. And then you get on the total defensive side of the house. Last year, you would have definitely thought that Southeastern Louisiana would have been the victim of the much worse defense, of course. Um, Southeastern Louisiana is 62nd in defense. I'm not saying that's a championship caliber level, but that's way higher than I think most people would think in terms of that high-flying, quick offense. And what's really intriguing is Sanford's defense is ranked 101st. So they give up about 5.4 yards of play, 434 yards a game. So I'm not saying that's a complete bender break. Sanford's going to be the home team. They're coming off a bye. Of course, Jamie mentioned the injuries. But that's intriguing to me to think like, wow, is this team that we just thought was the Cole Kelly offensive show maybe just a little bit more balanced? Um, it'll be interesting to see. I. Don't want to go much further into this question, not to cut you off, Kyler, but you will get a chance, I'm going to guess, here in this next question to talk about it uh, because we will be predicting these games, and so I don't want to give anything away. Uh, Zachary Carlton. Hey, sometimes fans just are like, I'm going to ask five or six questions, and I'll see what they answer and what they don't on this podcast. Well, Zachary Carlton, when you ask six questions that are awesome, they're all going in. So everybody better get ready to hear Zachary Carlton's name said a bunch. And Mr. Carlton said, All right, six of eight matchups yesterday ended with a combined t- point total of 58 or higher 58, 67, 73, 87, 93, and 94 combined points. Great re- research, Mr. Carlton. Which second round matchup has the best high point potential and which one has the greatest potential for a defensive struggle? Ooh, this is a great question. Okay, Kyler, looking into round two now. Yeah. Which one is the high points? You could say Sanford, Southeastern Louisiana. But if beyond that one, what else are we looking at for some high point shootouts?
0: For the other high points ones, um, I mean, honestly, Montana State, Weber State, right? We already saw what they were doing, and the last time they played. Now these are statistically in the past two of the stronger defenses in the past. This year, it's been kind of wishy washy. Uh, Montana State's defense isn't that spectacular. They were against Montana, uh, but I mean, Weber State. We we've seen what Montana State can do against pretty much anyone this year running the ball and they're finally healthy. Weber State's probably going to give up a good amount of yards on the ground. And then Weber State was able to kind of capitalize and throw the ball down the field against Montana State, run a little bit. So, I mean, I think this one actually has a really good shot to be a pretty high scoring game. Um, also, I would say look at the potentially the Sac State-Richmond game, right? Right. Is Sac State going to be able to stop Reese? Is um, you know Richmond going to be able to stop the rushing attack from Sac State, who kind of just wears you down in the second half? I don't know. I think these are going to be two potential shootout caliber games outside of the one we just talked about. I think that definitely has the best odds. But you ask for a few more, I think those two are going to have some high scoring games.
1: Those ones are going to be a lot of fun, Jamie. What do you think for like a defensive struggle? So offensively, we think Montana State. We think Weber. Uh definitely think Sanford and Southeastern Louisiana are going to sling the ball around a little bit. Which one do you actually think could be your old school line them up in the defensive line versus O-line? What are we going to see for some slobber knocker football?
2: I, th- I think this one's honestly fairly easy because you've got the number three defense going against the number four defense and it's Delaware at South Dakota State. And, you know, it could turn into a one-sided game for South Dakota State for sure. But Delaware's defense, can and will keep them in this football game. So South Dakota state fans do not get out on your high horse and think that you're just going to run away and win this game. 37 to seven. Yeah, you might. And I, but I don't think so. And it's going to be a fight. Um, defensively, both teams are very good. Very, very good. Uh, let's see. I've got some numbers up here. Yeah. Delaware is number two against the pass, but they are number 49 against the rush. So it's a little bit vulnerable there. Whereas South Dakota state's number one against the rush and 13 against the pass. So very, very strong, um, defenses on both sides. Um, again, not going to give any predictions, but I do feel like this is going to be your lowest scoring game of the day. And then of course, um, Montana, North Dakota state is going to be low scoring as well. Um, at least towards the end, I know Montana's game had what, fifty-eight points yesterday. A um, couple of them on special teams, so those would be the two that I would point to if you if you like defensive football, um, and if you want boring football, New Hampshire Holy Cross.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I'll, I'll watch highlights. I'm not watching that game. <laughs>
1: Well, well, we'll definitely know what the score will be from some one of us here at the end, and uh, you guys can give a little more intrigue into why. Okay, this question is great. We're moving into another Zachary Carlton question. Which first-round underdog has the best shot for an upset between Southeastern Louisiana, Gardner-Webb, or New Hampshire? Okay, so Southeastern Louisiana is going to play Sanford. Gardner-Webb is heading to play William and & Mary, and New Hampshire is heading to Holy Cross. I feel like there's... Supposed to be an easy answer here, or maybe there's not. Um, Kyler, where does your heart tell you? Think about those three matchups, and which one has the best shot for an upset between those three?
0: Man, I think two of them have a really good shot, I think one of them has almost no shot. Um, so let me say the one that has no shot, (laughs) right? And I, I, sorry, Gardner Webb, I don't think you're getting past William and Mary, just don't think so. Um, but New Hampshire Holy Cross, I mean, we just saw what New Hampshire did to the team that Holy Cross struggled against, right? Patriot League team. And then also, we've we just been talking it up that we might get a shootout and whoever has the ball last with the Southeastern Louisiana Stanford game may be able to get the win because both defenses are struggling a little bit, but offensively, they're very similar. But if I had to put money down, I'd put money on New Hampshire over Holy Cross
1: new hampshire holy cross okay and that is uh yeah and in quotations mr carlton put underdog so he you know he's 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 aware of a few things i don't know if that actually new hampshire over holy cross is such an easy call just because it's like it gives me colgate vibes man it gives me vibes of just like they're the eight seed they're in round two they're playing like the one of the top tier CAA squads, but they're yeah, not but like Ricky
2: Santos. Team. Isn't going to go say he's leaving on Wednesday. Yeah. And freak up, screw up the whole team. So I, I just, I don't think that's going to be a factor. There's this no, time
1: no mental psyche with Mike Houston or
2: anything. No, don't um, bring this 2018 bull crap up.
0: <laughs> I, no, 2018 was a good time. Let's bring it up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're good old days. That was a pretty was good old days.
2: Day. Screw you both. We just won the Sun Belt.
0: Uh No, you didn't. <laughs> yes, check we damn well book. did check the record book, bud. I'm just going to check
1: Wikipedia and whatever Jamie has edited Wikipedia to within the next five minutes. Um, I'm just going to roll with it. Yeah. I honestly think, boy, I have a lot of, I got some faith in Southeastern Louisiana. I think that they have a really good shot of going and beating Sanford and Sanford has just proven us wrong all year long, but I feel like Holy Ghost is going to be playing for just everything. Like this is the next Step and championship within their season. The players aren't gonna think like, oh, this is our only playoff game to win, but like they're gonna be at home defending the undefeated season. I don't know, I just don't think that's as easy of a pick from a mental psyche week of rest standpoint. So, um, I'm gonna actually take southeastern Louisiana as the best shot for an upset because of how quick that offense can score, and I don't know if Sanford's gonna slow them down much so. Jamie, what do you think? You got three options there, man.
2: Yeah, I. It's definitely not Gardner Webb. I mean, I think we can all agree on that. Um. Yeah, I, I, I hear you both. I, I think I, I, also agree with you both. But just want to, I, I, since I'm wearing the shirt, I'm going to stand for uh, <laughs> Southeastern Louisiana a little bit more today. Just Matt you know, wins. Hey, you remember you got to win to get your shirt worn, and then the most competitive game of the day. Southeastern wins the shirt wearing.
0: Now remember his, his game podcast. pick. That's going to happen in twenty minutes. Guys. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. My game picks are coming up later, but because <laughs> he's going to pick the opposite. I already know <laughs> this. We don't know. We Southeastern don't Louisiana,
2: know. though, if you look at that, they lost to Texas a and Commerce, which is a in, a new FCS team. So that really put a a nasty blemish on them. That was their only FCS loss. Mm-hmm. They beat the number seven seed, Incarnate Word, who obliterated everybody. And
0: they crushed so, Jacksonville State.
2: Yeah, they beat Jacksonville State, who beat everybody else except for Tulsa. Yeah. So this is a better Southeastern Louisiana team than you think you are looking at. 100%. This is a team that has been flying under the radar all season long.
0: They're fun to watch, too. They are. They're such a fun team to watch.
2: And that quarterback, play, Cephas Johnson, played amazing last night. Amazing. He was so good. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Last year, they went to FAMU. They played against FAMU and beat the pants off of them and then just went and got hammered by JMU. Sanford ain't JMU, folks. And I'll just say I, that. <laughs> and and we,
1: we need Danny Johnson and Fargo, so that's important. And we need that color scheme in the Fargo Dome of both of those teams, Southeastern Louisiana and NDSU. Not that I'm picking mm-hmm. those teams to win. Sanford,
0: Sanford doesn't have to wear a fake crown on their dog to win. They just... They just <laughs> Oh, man. (laughs) If you're
1: watching on YouTube, Jamie has sent his. I'm redeeming myself.
0: No, I just had an itch. My nose is.
1: So good. Well, Jamie's defending his home turf, which is pretty great. And speaking of home turf, Joshua Hoffman, an amazing South Dakota State fan, has asked an impressive, great question. In what game will home field advantage have the biggest advantage? All right, guys, we're down to 16 teams. We got eight games coming up this weekend. Which game is home field vital for a team to be victorious? Jamie, when you look across the slate of these games, um, feel free to include Jackson State and Southern as well, even though we think Jackson State's going to murder them. Um, what about home field? What do you think?
2: So, when I think about this question, I think about if the t- if the game was played in the opposite on the opposite field, would it change the way I think? And two of them really pop out, kind of, to a certain degree, Montana, North Dakota State, because I think if that game was in Missoula, North Dakota State might be in a little bit of trouble, a little bit. But to me, it's probably Montana State, Weber State. You know, playing that game in Bozeman versus playing that game in Stewart Stadium, I think is a big deal. Um, they've been there, done that once already this year. I believe the game this year was in Bozeman, uh, if I'm thinking correctly. Um, and it was a six-point game with four safeties. So Weber State knows how to go to Bozeman and play winning football in two facets of the game. But Montana State has been on a rip. Nobody is stopping them running the ball over the last few weeks. And just, you know, that home field, they come coming up off a game day the last time they had a game there. I I think if you put that game in Stewart Stadium versus uh, in Bozeman, I, I think we would think completely different about this game. Um, but I think that's probably the one for me.
1: This is a tough, tough question. I, I keep, I was reading this one earlier and I was looking through the games and I'm like, boy, I can say this for quite a few of the matchups for a variety of reasons. Kyler, have you keyed in on one man? Because I've got a few options here.
0: So I'm, I'm kind of looking at it like Jamie is like, I I do think South Dakota State can beat Delaware anywhere. I, I just do think that, um, Incarnate word Furman, man, that's such a good game too. That's going to be fun. I think I'm going to lean with actual either Montana state or Sacramento state, um, Montana state, just because out of all the playoff teams right now who have a home field advantage coming into there, it's the biggest stadium, the most fans, uh, the, probably the wildest weather elements that you can think of that could happen there. I, I do think Montana state out of just a pure atmosphere is right now the best. People can argue the Fargo Dome, the Montana State's having more fans there. I mean, it's it's a different environment even than it was a few years ago. And then you got to include the weather; it's, it's a little different. But I, I like Sac States right now too, because surprisingly, people make fun of Sac State all the time. They had a top ten FCS attendance this year, right? Or pretty close to it. Maybe they were eleven. I think they had about fifteen thousand fans, um, and their regular average. I think it was that you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but Richmond is also going to travel now 3000 miles to the best fan base that Sac State has probably ever had. Um, finally under Troy Taylor's true team that he's recruited himself, right?
2: Richmond's used to playing against teams where the other team's fans dominate even in their own stadium. It's fine.
0: <laughs> well, they're not used <laughs> to traveling 3000 miles. Last time they did, they lost 38 to zero against another west coast team so we'll see but um yeah i don't know i don't know i like the travel aspect i like the fifteen thousand fans aspect um probably the weather is going to be nice but but yeah probably leaning towards montana state overall
1: yeah i think the mental psyche always comes to me and uh, holy cross of course is uh, i think is easy pickings here because most people just view them as the underdog you need that home support you need to feel comfortable with new hampshire coming into town I, Kyler, I love that pick of Sac State because I wanted to bounce off that to be like, Sac State has been seeded twice in the playoffs. They have zero playoff wins. So, home field advantage for them. And Richmond's not a bad team. You no, know, that, it's a, know, a good squad. That's a balanced team coming in there. And it's like, you got to get the monkey off your back of Sac State. You know what I mean? Like, if they mm-hmm. lose in round two again, that would be three straight playoff appearances. Not be straight hilarious. within the seasons. It would be, yeah, Three their three playoff appearances would all be seeded, and they'd all be upset in round two. I mean, you're getting in Jacksonville State territory at that I gonna, point. I was going to say, they Sorry. need a the new Brandoes. Jacksonville State. Holy moly. So I think they really, the, the home field advantage there for them will be big. I feel like you'll have that yeah. moment where they'll win. There will be three minutes left. They'll be up 10 points. It'll pan the crowd, and the place will be going nuts because
2: they'll be like, yes, we finally did it. Now we'll see what happens next. And That's if funny. that team can get That's a win, weird. like, it's one of those, is the ball going to start rolling downhill if they pick one up too? Right. And then they become really dangerous. And between Hatcher O'Hare and Cameron Scott, they're already dangerous.
1: Oh, I love. You guys are just setting this up. You would think this stuff is planned because dangerous, worrisome. Mr. Brandon Owens we just talked about. And Mr. Brandon Owens asked, out of all the second-round match-ups, which non-seeded team should the seeds be scared of? All right, keeping it rolling. Well, I look across the board, and I see a lot of teams I might not want to face down the line for my squad. Kyler, your Eastern Washington Eagles. Unfortunately, the season's done, so you can look at this from a 20,000-foot view. No bias at all. Who is the scary team that remains beyond round two that is not seeded right now?
0: when I'm looking at just this page you have up that right side of the page looks so much more daunting if I'm a seed, right? Um, so it's hard to just pick one because incarnate word they have, they've been amazing all year. We just saw what Furman did. to Elon. Furman, Furman. <laughs> Furman just beat the shit out of them. I mean, <laughs> I don't even, I can't PG myself on that one. Furman beat the shit out of, out of Elon. It wasn't competitive. You're looking at a pissed off Furman. Um, coming into incarnate word who maybe has a, a little extra break, right? They had that little um bye week, and did they play the last weekend? Were they like SDSU and had uh, two I think they off?
2: played uh, didn't they play Northwestern State and just okay, yeah,
0: but then you got <laughs> Montana State playing Weaver State, which Weaver State, I think we can all agree, probably the best non seed at least on the field prior to selection Sunday. Um, they were. Going to be probably the either last seed in or first one out. We already talked about the SLU Sanford game. Sanford should be terrified. And then if I'm Sac State, we just mentioned it with Matt. You haven't won a game yet, ever, right? You're getting one of the toughest matchups. Um, Richmond is no slouch. It's not like you're, you get to play a New Hampshire or, you know, even a bottom CA team who just came into the field or a Gardner Webb. You're playing Richmond, who was in the last. Gamer of the top, year. They're a
1: top thirty offense. They're a top twenty defense. Is Richmond.
0: Yeah, and they had a chance to win the CA. And if they won the CA, they're probably the seed over William and Mary. So that's that's kind of what you're looking at. So I mean, the the left side of this bracket, I mean, outside of Holy Cross, I think all of the seeds don't really need to be that fearful. But the right side of this bracket on this page, I think every single seed should be pretty fearful. So I don't know if I could just pick one.
1: It is certainly intriguing. I I like that firm, I like that Furman pick. I just think Furman is playing really, really good ball right now. I'm very biased towards them because I besides the last year, I've picked them as my dark horse almost every season. If any you goes to the FBS, book it. It's Furman. I'm going all in <laughs> with Furman, F you all the time. But man, when I look across teams that I would not want to play, and think of them going into the big ones, they're going to Brookings, they're going to North Dakota State. It's got to be that solid balance, and Richmond provides it. Um, Southeastern Louisiana is a team that I would not want to play, but I have you got to pick one here. So picking the one team of the non-seeds I would not want to play, I would, I'm would i going to stick with Furman. I think the defense is playing a lot better as the season came down on the stretch. The offense is very balanced. They showed their physicality last week, and I think Furman is that team that you are not going to want to see. It's going to be very interesting when they play incarnate word. This upcoming weekend, I Jamie, who's who's scary, man.
2: Well, Holy before God. I get there, I hate to burst any bubbles, but uh Incarnate Word uh, excels at the pass game. I imagine Se- second overall in the they're FCS. Good. Where do you think Furman ranks in pass defense? They're
1: the in best? the fi- they're in the fifties for total defense. I know one, that, but passing
2: defense one hundred and twelve. So well, the best.
1: That's just numbers, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's three of them in their ranking, which is not great. So, while I love the way Furman's playing, don't like the matchup at all.
1: That's how I that's how I kind of feel with like Richmond where I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to pick them to beat Texas State, but I feel like Richmond or Furman are the two teams that would scare me the most. Mostly. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean and for me it's it's Weaver State. I mean, it just they've shown they can go to Bozeman and play with Montana State. You know, they the first half yesterday, they showed that they can be a dominant team. This is a team that has playoff experience. They've been to quarterfinals, they've been to semifinals under Jay Hill. They're healthy. I think it's Weaver State, Southeastern Louisiana would be another choice. As much as I I'd, I'd like to be safe Furman, because I was thinking Furman, you know, long term, but that passing defense is an albatross against a team that slings it like like incarnate word and Lindsey Scott, and that's gonna be tough. And if they can, you know, force some turnovers and and bend and not break, sure they can absolutely pull that upset because they can run the ball and control the clock. too. so you're not comp- you're not going to be you're not completely lost, but uh, that one stat does give me a little bit of pause. But I'll go with Weber State followed by Southeast Louisiana. But I I, I like what, what Kyler said. That whole right side of the screen, uh, the seeded team should be aware of the road team.
0: It, if I have to pick one, I I'm leaning on Richmond. So I'll just say that I think I think Montana State is just playing a little bit better than they were when Weber was playing and Weber's maybe playing a little bit worse. Um, Montana State's fully healthy. I think it's not going to maybe be as kind of the game we all anticipated maybe six weeks ago. So, yeah, I'm going to lean towards Richmond. I think Richmond's a solid team. That's not a, a fun matchup if I'm Sac State.
1: So, yeah, Richmond, you got Furman. The last one I'll throw in there, um, and I'll make this my official pick, and it's way out of left field after everything I just said. But I will say Montana, because if Montana's at least coming to town, that's a big mental hurdle. You know what I mean? Like, there's something about that where it's like, here come the Grizz. So, whether they're seated or non seated you would not want to worry. You would be worried about that fan base and that team showing up in your city. I wasn't. So, yeah. <laughs> not <laughs> Well, we can't all we can't all be as strong as the sun sunbelt east champs, you know. You're damn right. All right, guys. Final question here in the big seven. Jeremiah Rash, awesome fan, awesome person. Which second round matchup are you guys most excited to watch? This one's personal. Which one are you pumped to see? And what do you think there, Kyler? Which one are you jacked to watch this weekend?
0: Oh man, I, I want to see North Dakota State Montana. Uh, right, two perennial blue bloods, two really annoying fan bases um yeah, <laughs> that's true. kind of what I, I want to see the twitter back and forth and i'm just going to keep poking the bear poking the bison um in this game whoever going up ahead i'm going to probably tag the other fan base and just be kind of a little troll on twitter so that's what i'm most excited to see uh just because of my trolling aspect but when you, games... you get
2: a bison tattoo on the other leg or i'll get that with you
0: For, perfect. Okay. perfect we'll do it um but, in, but in, in terms of a game that i'm excited just to watch I really want to see the Sac State Richmond game. I, I think this is going to be a really fun game between one of the best big sky teams, one of the best CA teams. Um, and we'll see which team can kind of jump over that hurdle. Cause Richmond hasn't been there for a while. Like they used to be that dominant force and Sac State still hasn't really gotten past anyone. So um, that's going to be a fun game to watch.
1: There are so many fun matchups. It's going to have the ESPN plus or whatever app you can use to have multiple games up at a time because it's multicast, TV. baby. Yeah. Multicast for sure. I have to stick with Furman and incarnate word because I feel like I know what I'm going to get out of mostly everything. And that doesn't mean it goes according to plan. But I, while I have a lot of faith in Furman is incarnate. Word going to roll them from, you know, that big offense and they've coming off the bye. They're the seven seed Furman nine and two looking so good and stylistically just like jamie mentioned bad pass defense great pass offense control the clock up tempo walter payton award winner um the unspoken socon team i just think there's so much intrigue there i feel like i know what i'm going to get out of mostly everything else so i'm going to be very interested to see the paladins versus uh the cardinals there jamie which one are you going to be uh watching since your dukes will be on a nice little break
2: yeah um I'm pretty interested in basically everything with those first two on the left. <laughs> Although I had an opportunity to go to the William Ray game, but I'm going to skip it this week. i uh, going to take a weekend at home and just do what y'all said. I'm going to have, you know, the TV, the laptop, the tablet, the phone is just have games going over all over the place and try to catch a little bit of everything. But if I have to focus in on one, I I'm really intrigued by that uh, Weber state, Montana state rematch. I want to see if Weber state can, shake off the cobwebs of the mistakes and uh, can they go in there and beat Montana state or can Montana state continue to roll now with the, you know, the addition of, you know, a decent back, like if I say Fonse, okay. A great back, should I say like the rich got richer there and he's apparently a hundred percent. So like, <laughs> would anybody be surprised if Montana state's in Frisco? Cause I sure as heck wouldn't.
1: Yeah, the Bobcats are trending, and which is a good thing because we all picked them to, you know, not be so great, but we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, it'll also be cool to see Delaware, South Dakota State. I don't think we've talked about the one seat at all this podcast, but like, will it look like the spring season when Delaware went there and just got shellacked or will it actually
2: be a little bit closer? Uh, seeing some head nods, some shakes, but don't worry. depends on Nolan Henderson. He remember, don't, Nolan got hurt. Yeah. And early in that game, and, and it impacted the game, you know, Delaware's ability to do anything, South, South Dakota State will still win in that game. Oh, for sure. And yep. it's probably the same thing, South Dakota State probably still going to win no matter what, but if Delaware keeps Nolan Henderson clean and healthy, they're going to put up a fight.
1: It'll be fun to see Um, what is always fun in in this podcast is our fun little segments that we've created, even when they come from inspirational people like Brian Thompson. And you know what that means. It's time for a taco bet. It's time to put your money where your mouth is. And if you're right, put some tacos in there too. This is Thompson's Taco Bets. All right, gentlemen, taco bet. This one straight up asked by Peter Hagan. Peter Hagan was just like, I want this to be a taco bet. How many seeded teams will fall next week over under? He did not give me a number. He wants it to be a taco bet. So I've decided on 3.5 seeded teams for an over under taco bet here between 2.5, 3.5. But I figured we'd bump it up a bit. Now, we have to be kind of cautious here so we don't give away our picks uh, for the next week uh, because that's coming up at the end of the podcast here. Over our three and a half seeds lose on Saturday. I will say right here, I will be betting the Taco. I'm taking the over, baby. I'm taking four seeded teams to drop. Enjoy the intrigue for my picks at the end of the podcast today. Book it. Four teams going down.
0: Uh, man, I really thought you should have done the Taco bet at 2.5. It would have made it a little bit more interesting. I'm doing but this for 3. the 3.5, viral- dude, you got you got bd energy this is for the viral this is for the viral moment when it happens so i just
1: you know snip shot it put it on twitter let it live forever
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna go under because i think it's gonna be two or three upsets um i don't see four getting upset this week i just don't but yeah so give me the under
1: all right jamie am i crazy or kyler too safe what do you think
0: i yeah, i think it's the under
2: yeah if you had gone 2.5 i might have have made it interesting i might have thought about it i i you well, know without revealing my picks yet i'm gonna go under though let's go under
0: matt was just so crazy he's like oh this is such good spread because i think there's gonna be four to five upsides but everyone else is like what are you talking about you bias smart
2: hippie
1: bias taco spread by the way we finalized another taco bet is Sac if sack state is undefeated if so are they the one seed a double taco bet jamie and matt say that they would be the one seed kyler says they wouldn't be so kyler congratulations you've won
0: what's the taco standings Four
1: buddy. tacos um i gotta update them from our live episode so you gotta give me a little second there um but there you go we are keeping track of all these taco bets they are rolling good and we will be posting all the tacos throughout Frisco. All right, guys, Taco Bet is good. Let's get into the rest of our fan questions with some quick hits. Just because your question is answered quickly doesn't mean we don't care. These are the quick hit questions of the week. All right, guys, so here we go. Zachary Carlton, you're going to get all these questions in now, my man. Great question here is he wants to know a little bit about that game that happened between Weber State and UND. He says Weber State came out hot with a 24-0-0 lead. Uh, However, there's been a lot of talk about how they should have been seeded in place of Incarnate Word or Holy Cross, but North Dakota did storm back. Did Weber State do enough to make the case that they deserved a seed, or did those second-half struggles kind of justify,
0: "Eh, it's kind of good that you were at the at-large? Kyler, what do you think about those Weber State Wildcats? I think they are a top-eight team, but I do not think they deserved one of the top-eight seeds um and this is my only reason it was between holy cross or weber you're looking at eight division one wins over 11 both have an FBS win both have one win over a playoff caliber team so again if it was maybe nine division one wins or 10 it's going to be a little bit closer and you could see weber getting it because of their strength of schedule because of who they played but you're never going to see a three division one team gap get overcome by the committee If you don't like it, that is fine. You don't have to agree with it, but that's what it is. Weber State, unfortunately, there was eight other teams that had a playoff-worthy resume. Weber State, you did too, but there was a big win gap, and that's about why you're sitting at home playing week one. now have to go to MSU.
1: Mm -hmm. All right, Weber State, on to the Montana State. Okay, guys, Jason Plotkin has a question here. He says, not playoff-related, but the David Baliff deal at Commerce. Uh, is this the most baffling head coaching carousel situation in the FCS? I got to say, I did not research this question and I'm curious if anybody here on the panel did obviously Texas A&M commerce is one of the new FCS squads. Are we
0: aware of this situation? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It made, it made news that he ended up leaving it. He wasn't fired from what I'm aware of. Was he fired? Because they didn't have a bad season for their transition year. It was pretty solid. So I thought it's yes. interesting how he's no longer with the program.
1: Yeah. Um, It says on the articles that he just will not be returning. Yeah, it doesn't say whether
2: whose decision it was. They were five and six. They did lose their last four, but he's like twenty three and thirteen in his time there, and in a transition, it's definitely odd. Yeah. So I don't know if there's something behind these where he wanted to move on, or difference of opinion between him and the AD about how they structure a schedule or what. But yeah, it's definitely, definitely, definitely interesting.
0: Come yeah, on, transition here. Give them the benefit of the doubt if it was like a forced removal. But it, yeah, it's weird.
1: He had a long run there with Rice too. So um, he's a long tenured coach. I guess we don't want to start any rumors or anything crazy, Jason, but definitely intriguing. And I learned a little bit because I did not research that question. All right, guys, Jim Poppin, who DM me and said, when are you guys going to be live tonight? I need an FCS podcast. Well, Jim, I hope you're listening to this now and enjoying it. He says, um, what can the NCA and host schools do to better increase the attendance problems for Herendance. these playoff games? Herendance. Yeah, really, really bad playoff <laughs> attendance numbers. Now, they're, yeah, horrendance, as I can't type if you're watching on YouTube.
0: <laughs> do you think I um, said horrendous?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, ar- I, thought were, I thought you were tweaking me.
0: Horrendance.
1: Uh, on a shameless blog, If you're watching on YouTube, see how Matt can't spell words. He can't pronounce last <laughs> names. Boy, this guy's a train wreck. He's drinking Mountain Dew tonight.
0: Unreal. And you said Jim
1: Poopin? <laughs> Jim Poopin, yeah, right. <laughs> Met Jim in person. I never would. Uh Jamie Williams, you tweeted at some folks about this. Why are we dealing with some attendance issues? And this happens every year. It's, it is.
2: It's an every year thing, and it's because the first round's over Thanksgiving. But what can you do? You can't, you can't delay a week because then that puts the semifinals at Christmas week. And honestly, if you're going to have crap attendance, would you rather have it in round one than your semifinals? Yeah. Like, And you're not going to start the season a week or two early just for the FCS. I, I don't see where you get around not playing on Thanksgiving weekend. And a lot of times the dorms don't open up till Sunday. Sometimes they'll open up Saturday for students that want to come back for the game but a lot of people are still traveling with family to and from places for Thanksgiving. It's, it's, it's just, it's a thing. It, it stinks. And Jim, uh, I, you
1: know, it, Oh, sorry to cut you off, Jamie. No, it's fine. I got to say the, besides the Thanksgiving weekend, you could say that the NCAA and the ESPNs and the TV owners do actually try to help the look of the FCS in a way, because We don't know like what time slots teams get and NDSU because it looks really good on TV, like a filled up Fargo dome, the camera views, even if they're not sold out, looks really good. That's why NDSU gets that 11 AM game in the quarterfinals. They call it breakfast with the Bison because that's on ESPN two, And the semifinal games, it's why NDSU would always get that Friday night game because they know NDSU is going to be sold out and it will look really good. So that doesn't help attendance per se, but They definitely do things to make the product look good in the later rounds. There's just nothing you're going to do about Thanksgiving. So um, this one, guys, from Jim Poppin and Nicholas Deal. It's kind of a combo question. Do you see the selection committee leaning towards seeding all 24 teams to reduce the appearance of if you bid enough, you will be in the playoffs and host a game? Uh, What has to happen from a business perspective to end regionalization and seed the top 16, if not the whole tournament? Unfortunately, it's never going to happen. Yeah. Guys, we are a blip on the radar, and this is why you got to follow Sam Herders, listen to our podcast, and do all those things. These There's contracts involved just to get the FCS on TV in some form or fashion, but ESPN and these other folks, they, they don't care about it. The NCAA has shown their hands. They don't care about the FCS. They only do this as a check in the box. So they're never going to see the tournament. They're going to make it as weird and regional as possible, um, so... Am, am I being too negative here, Kyler, or what?
0: Here is two ways that we can do seeding. Um, one, of course, just find better advertisements, like actually have better endorsements, whatever you want. That's going to be tougher because of what Matt just said, most people don't care about it. Here is the best way. Everyone who doesn't make the playoffs, send in $25,000. Uh it makes you not want to lose. Maybe, maybe make you invest more. But if you send... The other 120 teams or 110 teams of the FCS, $20,000, $25,000. The NCA, guess what? They're not worried about who's bidding. Uh, it will go right to the travel costs. You seed one through 24. So that's what we need to do. All of you bum programs like mine this year, just send the NCA $25,000. And then every single year, we can have a seeding one through 24.
1: I like that. That's actually a pretty, that's actually a legitimate idea. So, um, losers, 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 losers pay. suck. Well, everybody <laughs> pays beginning of the year. If you're gonna, if you gotta pay to play, baby. Cheap money don't make money. yeah
2: Everybody else gets their travel paid for, so you know, you're 10,000 bucks. Yeah, that pays for a lot.
1: 100. Uh, Jamie, question here for you, man, from Garrett Meyer. Uh, Garrett, thanks for DMing me your playoff bracket. I got it in, so you are on the competition. Is stats voting completed prior to playoffs, or should it be to reduce influence of playoff performance? Uh, Here you go, man. Jamie, you are a stats voter. How does that work for voting for award winners and for all those things?
2: Yep. The award ballots are in general due before the playoffs start. Uh, This year, they were due uh, today being Sunday. Due by today, all the votes were in as of this morning from what I understood. So This year, could there have been some impact? Maybe. Um, If a voter had to wait till this weekend to make a final decision. And I, I don't know what to tell him. Um, I had mine in by Friday. Uh, speaking of, um, you want to break some news,
0: guys?
1: I How think would- we deserve some news. Some, um, some night driving background music. You know, do,
0: do, 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 do.
1: Just, uh, what do we have here, Jamie Williams? Do we have some news or what?
2: All right. Right here. On the big boy show, I am going to reveal my top five ballot for each of the four legacy awards.
0: Woo! Ooh,
2: here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Jamie Williams Herp. official stats voter. Here Everybody listening, watching. Kyler and Matt have not seen these, so they'll be live reacting just the same along with me. See them. No, you haven't. Don't worry. You didn't see them. So we're gonna start with the big one: the Walter Payton Award. I don't think there's any question or any guessing as to who is number one there. It's Lindsey Scott. It is not even close. Hunter Lipke? Yeah, sorry. Sorry, everybody who thought it was going to be Hunter Lipke. It's Lindsey Scott Jr. Uh, all season. I mean, there's been two games where he had seven touchdowns at the half. (laughs) Number two, and I I, I don't think number two is that hard to guess either, and it is Tim DeMora out of Fordham. Uh, Number three, I went with Jaden Sheerden of Monmouth, running back, who did lead uh, FCS in uh, rushing yards. Number four, Geno Hess. We saw him the other night for Southeast Missouri. Um, Really awesome closing statement, which really put him from like six or seven into the top five. Put him at four with a 300-yard game in his last game, uh, securing a playoff spot. And number five, I did go with Parker McKinney of Eastern Kentucky. Uh, considered a few other players there. Michael Ayers of of Sanford uh, was one of them. Uh, Jake Chisholm, Johnso Gilliam um, couldn't find a couldn't find a spot for a receiver on the on the uh, Walter Payton Award uh, this year. They had a couple of good ones on Andre Iasivis from Princeton and Fostas Kokaseoulis. I, I just wanted to try to say a couple of difficult names, but uh, both of those guys, along with Xavier Gibson, had great years, but finished just outside. On to the Buck Buchanan, which is our Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, my number one is Zeke Vandenberg, the linebacker from uh, Illinois State. Um, Redbirds had a, had a nice season. Zeke had a, a huge, huge year. Uh, he's, had, he's the guy for, for me this year. Number two, I had John Pius of William Mary. Had a, a ton of sacks. Uh, got a lot of tackles for losses. Had a lot of tackles. Just had a really, really strong season. Uh, At number three, I have David Walker of Central Arkansas. Speaking of, he had 22 tackles for loss and 12 sacks. Um, Very, very strong, strong season. And I finished with a couple of uh, defensive backs. Uh, I've got, um, if I can find him here, Marcus Hillman, number four of Elon. Had 73 tackles. And from the defensive back, 16 and a half tackles for loss at eight and a half sacks. With three pass breakups, four QB hits, a couple fumble recoveries. Couple bunch of force fumbles, so he was number four. Could have even put him a little higher. And then uh, Elijah Huzzy of ETSU was number five on my ballot with six interceptions and 16 pass breakups. Solid stats there. Now, on to the Jerry Rice Award, which is the freshman of the year, um, was not influenced at all by. Um, Saturday, my vote was in and it's kind of been the guy that's been on the top of my list most of the year as uh, Giovanni McCoy, who I think is going to get a lot of votes. And, uh, the guy that I have at number two is probably going to get a lot of votes too, is, is Reese Poffenbarger quarterback from Albany who, uh, kind of quietly had a really awesome season similar to that of a uh, Jeff Undercuffler a couple of years ago when, um, he was a, a candidate for this award, but got beat by some guy named Trey Lance who had an amazing season. Uh, so those are my top two, and it was very, very close. Hoffenberger's um, numbers might have been a little bit better, but McCoy taking Idaho to the playoffs, to me, that was just enough to to put him at one. Uh, at number three, I went with a defensive back. Rex Connors of UC Davis had 92 tackles as a defensive back um, and five interceptions. So very strong season from from that young man. At number four, I've got Desmond Reed, who's a running back from uh, – Western Carolina, I think he even missed a game or two, still had 826 yards. Yes, I'm looking at some stats over here to the left. Um, four touchdowns, but he also had 21 catches for 212 and a touchdown. It's yards per carry, just under seven. Very, very solid season. And then I went to a linebacker at my fifth slot, Conor Cullum, or Connor. I'm not sure how to say his name, out of Southern Utah. 72 tackles, 10 tackles for losses, two and a half sacks, kid all over the field i think he's going to be one of those 350 tackle guys for his career as they you know as he gets stronger and more lean and faster and plays all across the field so that's the jerry rice um on to the coach of the year i don't want to say there's an asterisk here because it would take away from the coaches that are listed here who are all very 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 deserving but jason x not on the list and to me, that was a big, big miss because I had him number one in my mind for most of the year. He's not on the list, so couldn't go there. Um, so these are the five coaches, and again, all very deserving. I, I Any of these guys can win. Number one for me, I've got Chris Hatcher of Sanford. I personally disregarded them most of the year, underestimated that team, and all they did was win every single game that they played. Uh, number two, G.J. Kinney of Incarnate Word. When you thought Chad Morris left and went to Washington state and Cameron Ward left and went to Washington state, everybody thought, Oh, well, incarnate words, nothing again. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Oh, they brought in Lindsay Scott. The only person that really championed that was Sam Herter and Sam was right. And that GJ Kenny got that team rolling up to a seven seed phenomenal job at number three, Mike London, William and Mary, what more can i say about mike he's a phenomenal coach he's a national championship winning coach at richmond in 2008 he's been building that women marry program steadily for the last three years and you could just see the build they weren't very good when he first got there and you see he brought in some freshman quarterback got some transfers got a very diverse offense and uh put him at number three number four uh got coach stig south dakota state the loving grandfather uh you know, just love look, watching that guy. Just looks like everybody's grandpa when he sits up there and just chats and talks. Um, phenomenal. Got his team unbeaten in the FCS. It came within, you know, a couple of plays of beating Iowa. Um, number one seed, what can you say? And then at number five, the guy I voted number one the first year I was a voter, Troy Taylor. I've got him at number five. Um, Sacramento State, all he does is win. The big guy in the regular season. At, uh, that's
0: excluding post. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is a, uh, yeah. On the Radio stuff I vote
1: hard.
2: for, all he does is win those games. All, all he does, does is win win, up win, until win. win, win, win. December. Yeah. And so <laughs> he's, he's, and that's going to be the stigma until he, yeah. he does. But that to me gets the number five vote for me. Um, so, yeah, there were a lot of coaches that were very deserving. And I, I, you know, I hate to have to leave people out, but you do, you can only pick five and those are my five. And I, I hate the Jason X, so I know I just took up a little bit longer than we like on a quick hit, but why not break some news on our own show? Uh, so there you go, guys. There's Those are my picks for all of the Legacy Awards. Um, finalist for the Walter Payton will be announced next Monday. Buck Buchanan on Tuesday. All full results, including the winner of the Rice, will be Wednesday of next week. And then the Coach of the Year, Reddy Robinson Award, on Thursday. The a winner plus and with all the all the voting so look for that next week so the week following round two, so the fifth through the seventh or 8th they they'll be um coming out so look for that um, and again you'll see how my vote stacked up to what actually happens
1: very transparent very open always ready to discuss his reasoning jamie williams one of the best stats top 20 stats perform top 25 voters out there we always appreciate the work you put in jamie and then craig and the rest of the voters it makes it for a fun season people say polls are worthless well what else are you going to talk about so and this gives you a bunch of young men and good coaches opportunities to really be recognized so well done we respect the hell out of you and we appreciate you taking time amongst that to be here on this podcast so um jamie we do have Three final quick hit questions following that bonus segment. And I'm going to roll right into this one for you then. Uh, This question was from Zachary Carlton again. Despite throwing his 56 touchdown pass yesterday, did Tim Durant play himself out of a chance at the Walter Payton Award with a costly turnover in yesterday's loss to New Hampshire? You kind of just spoke on when things are in and what your mentality was, but does that matter at all, that round one?
2: I hope it didn't. I really hope it didn't. I hope he stayed wherever people had him because the regular season award. I hope people thought of it that way, and didn't wait till this morning just to see what he did yesterday and make him one or two based off of whether or not he beat New Hampshire. If if it's if it's that if you're that late in your voting, then you didn't do enough research and figure out uh, who should have won the award as the regular season. So, I hope not.
1: The voice of reason, the voice of logic, Mister Jamie Williams. Speaking of voice of uh, reason that we love, Mister Danny Johnson, Southeastern Louisiana, the number one Lion fan, wants to know. What the most exciting play of the first round was, has any player really jumped out at y'all and showed his talent that you haven't heard of? I had heard of McCoy, but that dude is good and he's only a freshman. Um, Danny Johnson always throwing out good compliments. Danny, I'm going to show it on the screen here. And um, this is it. This is, uh, this is the play. This is the play where absolute destruction happened. Furman Elon, it's the fake field goal. And, Just an absolute blast of a tackle. In my opinion, that is the play of the week. Because anytime you have some intriguing defensive special teams blow up, oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful. If you guys haven't seen it, it's showing right now on YouTube. I'll take the copyright hit because 81, um, he's back home icing up after that one. That is
2: exactly how it's supposed to be. How about the way number one read that play, though? Oh, beautiful. I mean, he read the play. Yeah. Just dissected from the beginning. So, I,
0: I got to go with Malik Flowers' return for Montana because first mm-hmm. he bobbled the football, he had to wrap around, look at where he was on the ground. He picked up the ball, ran 80 yards. He tied the FCS record for most career uh, returns, and also it shifted the whole game momentum. They were down 24 th- to 3 at that point. Mm-hmm. That completely changed everything. That was the most important play of this weekend. And it was a fantastic athletic run, especially after you bobble it. And it almost looks like it was going to be worse for you. So uh, that—that's my pick. But well, that was a sweet tackle. So
2: it, yeah, for me, it was the <laughs> uh, the Zye Alexander pick six for uh, Southeastern Louisiana. Um, Huge, big, big time play.
1: Huge play. Speaking of big time, there's nothing bigger than our final question before our predictions. Uh, Tim Rask wants to know what has to be on the table at your Thanksgiving feast. Okay, gentlemen, what is your go-to? We will answer any question from our fans for Thanksgiving. Um, Jamie, what has to be on that table? Top two foods, man.
2: Well, I got to have a smoked turkey, so I'll handle that. And then, you know, for me, there's probably some mashed potatoes.
1: Mm. Your stomach? A bunch of other stuff, yeah. That's the best tweet I saw on Thanksgiving. It said, your stomach thinks all potatoes are mashed potatoes. I was like, that's a solid, solid dad joke. Um, I didn't eat stuffing until I was like 28 years old. Cause I just thought it was well, gross. Surprised. And then I tried stuffing and I was like, this is not gross. So now <laughs> the last five years of my life, when I stopped being picky at the age of 28, uh, I got to go with stuffing. I absolutely love it. Throw gravy on there. And then gravy is actually kind of my second pick there. Put gravy on the Turkey, put it on the potatoes, put it on the stuffing. So gravy stuffing and we'll let hopefully that fast metabolism keeps working. So
0: Kyler, what do you got? Yeah, my, my wife makes an Italian stuffing. Uh, she Ooh. makes it all from scratch, breadcrumbs and everything, but she uses pancetta, uh, another weird Italian meat, spicy sausage, mushrooms, and then, of course, like cornbread. And um, it's the best thing in the world. It makes every other <laughs> stuffing taste like shit. So oh along with
2: those Oreo <laughs> um, cupcakes, is oh. she going to send some of that stuffing mm. to Yeah,
0: or you? just come on down here. After Frisco, come on down to Houston. We'll have a good time. But then also just a bottle of Jameson. Uh, oh, yeah. There you you go. got to always have that in the holidays. Jameson ginger ale. It is life of champions. So Mountain uh, dew
2: and mango habanero whiskey was my drink. Of choice yeah,
0: that's in, I got to try that. Bring yeah. some of that to Frisco. If I can find a way to get it
2: packed properly, I'll bring some. Maybe I can find yeah. some shooter bottles.
1: I had the um, I was totally tossed and destroyed on Thanksgiving from Martinelli's uh, sparkling cider. Just really, <laughs> really put me under. Kind of spendy. It's like $1.75 a bottle at Walmart. So, you know, really big b- one. pop the champagne I'll, there. Always be you, Matt. Always be you. Never change. And one thing that's not going to change, guys, is our predictions on this podcast. But sometimes the intro for those prediction changes, especially around playoff season. We haven't seen this sucker in 365 days, but here you go. Are these predictions because we're smart, because we're dumb, or because we're biased? It may be a combination of all three. Welcome to the playoff prediction segment. Oh, I forgot I even made that thing. That was from the spring season. Sam Houston celebrating their national title. So real throwback there, guys. Um, For the sake of time, we do are going to predict every single game. I'll give one person a game to really dissect and give their score. And then the other two will quickly just say who we think we're going to win. We're going to start with the SWAC title game, guys. Uh, Southern is going to Jackson State. Um, uh, Jamie... What do you think? Is this one going to be closer than the last round?
2: Well, last time it was 35 to nothing, uh, Jackson State. And it'd probably be a little bit closer, maybe 31 to 7, but still Jackson State. I, I don't see any way Southern wins this game.
1: I'm going to take Jackson State as well. Mr. Neal? Yeah, Jackson State, big. All Delaware traveling to South Dakota State. Kyler, you seem to have some facial reactions to this one. Uh, what, what do you think? Uh, how are the Blue Hens going to fare going to South Dakota State here?
0: Well, the only thing that's going to be more blue than them is the Jackrabbits because they are going to put a shellacking on Delaware.
1: Ooh, going to be a butt kicking. You got a score prediction for us, man?
0: A lot to a little. Uh, no, uh, 38-17.
1: Yeah, I could see it being a little closer than, than people maybe think, but South Dakota State's going to win the game. I'll take the Jacks. Jamie?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think this game is close for two, two and a half quarters. And then um, South Dakota State kind of imposes the will like a 28 13 type of win. Hmm.
1: There you go. All right, guys. Well, I said four seeds are going down and one I just picked to not lose. So there's only seven left. So here we go. And it starts right here. I'm sorry, Sac State. Ye of little faith. I have little faith. I think Richmond's very balanced. I love their transfer quarterback, their weapons at wideout. I think Richmond's going to come in, and I think they're going to ruin the party for the Hornets. Um, So I'm going to take Richmond with the upset. Closer game than I I thought I would want to pick. I'm going to take 28-24, to Richmond with the victory. Mr.
0: Neal? Yeah, we already saw what Richmond did with William & Mary, who runs a very similar offense to Sac State. William Mary just ran them down, burned them out at the very end. I think it's going to be about the same. Give me Sac State.
1: Sac State, Mr. Williams.
2: Absolutely. Exactly what I was going to say is the way William & Mary ground them down is exactly what Asher O'Hara and Cam Scuddebo are going to do. Um, close game, but uh, Sac State by a score.
1: All righty. Mr. Williams, you're wearing Southeastern Louisiana colors, but they look like the Bison. They're up next here Montana at number three NDSU. What do you think about this game?
2: Uh, Montana's kind of shown some uh, leakiness in the last couple games in their run defense, which is not a good thing when you're going up against North Dakota State in the playoffs in the Dome. Whether or not Hunter plays or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, I don't know if he is or not. You can maybe tell me here in a little bit, but uh, – between the other guys I got, I'm not worried about the guys that transferred out for NDSU. The game's in the dome, and I'm certainly not picking against NDSU in the playoffs. So, Bison, 31-17. to 17.
1: I like everything you said, Jamie, and I will agree, bias or unbiased. I'll take the herd. What do you got, Kyler?
0: Yep, uh, NDSU 24, Montana 10.
1: All righty. Should be a fun game. Mr. Neal out to the big sky, man. This is it. Weber state going to Montana state close game last time. What do we got?
0: Yeah. The the game last time happened was crazy because we were literally lost because of four safeties thrown over their quarterback's head. Um, <laughs> I just, if you asked me six weeks ago, I said Weber, if they played again, I would definitely pick Weber. Montana state is finally healthy. They haven't used a Fonzay all year. He's finally back. The rushing team is better than it's ever been. I just don't see how Weber State wins this game. Um, I think Montana State wins, let's go, 38, Weber State 27.
1: I'm actually with you. I think this is one of the uglier games of the weekend. I got a feeling Montana State's just going to take it to them. I'll take the Bobcats. Jamie?
0: Yeah,
2: um, three for three. I I think Weber State's playing really good football, but just the way Montana State has been running the ball all year, but most – Definitely over the last three or four weeks. Plus, Sorry. just add in the best best running back from last year. Fresh, 100%. Uh, yeah, Montana State fairly easily. Which stinks because I would love Weaver to win and William and Mary to win so I could go to a game next weekend. But ain't going to happen.
1: There you go. Montana State with a clean sweep. This one I don't think will go around the table. Uh, I think all of us believe that William and Mary will win over Gardner-Webb uh kyler looks sh- oh no no just a little fake out there gardner webb we love you running bulldogs great season congrats on the big south title you're our background tonight however we think you're going down to number five william and mary probably by at least 14 to 20 points so moving into here we go southeastern louisiana at number six samford jamie you're wearing the shirt so i gotta start with you for the breakdown man what do you got
0: yeah i picked Remember the conversation samford. from earlier i yeah. picked
2: against samford all freaking year all year <laughs> and they have made me wrong all freaking year (laughs) i'm gonna do it again (laughs) i'm gonna do it again here's one of my upsets i just i'm concerned about the health of michael harris quarterback for sanford and if cephas johnson can back up what he did last week and the way southeastern is playing they play a little bit more balance on offense yeah, I think they win a shootout 44 41. I, I'm gonna go with the Lions.
1: Oh boy. I'm with you. This is my second of my four. I think Southeastern Louisiana. You guys can do the math on the final two predictions. Uh so I think southeastern Louisiana is gonna go in and beat Samford. I think they get a little more balance. And I think the I don't think the week off is gonna be some sort of big advantage. I think Southeastern Louisiana it's a big win over them over Idaho. So I'll take the Lions. Kyler?
0: Um, I'm gonna go with the bulldog that doesn't need a fake crown to prove he's king in this game. Um, yeah, I, I just think Sanford's really good this year. Like Jamie said, we've doubted him all year. I just can't doubt him again. Uh, and I think SLU is on a great run this year, better than they should have been. I, I don't see how it's. I don't see how they're getting in, getting it done again two weeks in a row. So give me Sanford Bulldogs, uh, the real bulldogs.
2: Uh, but we're picking Furman versus Incarnate Word next, and we know Matt's picking Furman, and I don't know what happened to his feed, so um, I'll kick it over to you first, Kyler, to go ahead and pick this one, Furman and Incarnate Word. What do you think? You've seen Incarnate Word in person this year?
0: Yeah, um, it's it's so impressive what Lindsey Scott has able to do this year, and seeing him live when he was banged up was just a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. Um, Jamie, I was kind of leaning towards this, maybe a 50 50 game until you started bringing out actual facts and statistics. Now it's, it's, I was probably already going to lean towards incarnate word, but I was a nervous about it. Now I'm not as nervous. So yeah, give me Lindsay Scott and company beating Furman, but the way Furman played last week, man, it, it should put a terror in some teams.
2: Yeah. I, I my, think Furman's just playing really good football right now. And I, I'd love to, to pick them. Um, but I'm not just because just strictly because of the matchup. Uh, Lindsey Scott will pick that that secondary part. Um, unless Furman can really control the ball and limit Lindsey Scott's um, opportunities with the football, and it might still not matter because they can score in minutes, in seconds, even. So I'm going to take Incarnate Word in, in a in a solid 30 to 24 type game.
0: All right, for the last seed, we are looking at New Hampshire traveling to the Patriot League champ Holy Cross, the undefeated FBS win over F- um, Fordham as well. So yeah, Jamie. You are a CAA guy. You have also lost to, you know, Patriot League teams in the past. What happens with this <laughs> – what happens with this game? Does New Hampshire even have a shot here? I think they do. Um,
2: and, you know, the way they played against Fordham, I, I think I think they can go down there and win this game. New Hampshire has been that team in the CAA that you just didn't think was good enough because they didn't play the top teams. And when they played one, they lost until they beat – uh, they did beat elon they beat rhode island I, I think max brosmer's growing up right in front of my eyes and dylan lobe lob lobby low i mean whoever however you say it, it's a good running back yeah. and he's a good uh pass catching running back so i'm gonna take new hampshire by 10 points here uh looks like matt might be back so he can pick new hampshire or uh new
1: Hamp, new hampshire if you can hear me and Furman as well so I'll take New Hampshire to win and Furman. Sorry, North Dakota Internet got the best of me for a second.
0: Yeah, I'm going to lean with New Hampshire as well. Um, we, we saw what they did to Fordham. Now, that was actually a pretty good game. I thought it was going to be 45-42. It, it ended up being 52-42, so I was close, and I got Fordham scored perfect. Um, It's going to be a more defensive battle than this last week, but, yeah, I, I'm going to lean towards New Hampshire beating Holy Cross.
1: We will see how the predictions play out, hopefully better than my internet at the end of this podcast, but I'm glad I'm here at the ending. Kyler, Jamie, we are ready to roll into the Sweet 16 to take us down to the quarterfinals. It feels like yesterday we were kicking this sucker off, but holy moly, we only have three more episodes after this, which rolls us right into Frisco So very exciting times. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed your time with your family, your friends. We hope you continue to enjoy time listening to the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and of course, follow our Facebook, Twitter pages, and make sure you follow us on
2: YouTube. And there goes the North Dakota internet. But with that, as Matt freezes again, because it's frozen in freaking North Dakota, just like always, he waved from behind Kyler. We'll see you in a couple of months, buddy. month and a half. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. Um, Other than that, like Matt said, subscribe, follow, hit us up. Other than that, boom.
1: Thank you for listening to the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred listening platform, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, or even YouTube. And make sure to follow our FCS Fans Nation social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for listening to the premier podcast for FCS football. Bo.
2: People are saying that then then they're they're stupid. No, not go, not, not, know, one you know, the... <laughs> not one person
0: saying okay, that. Not one person saying that. Okay, I
2: haven't I haven't seen anything, but it wouldn't put me past some of these fan bases.